This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler, General Manager here at WZIP. Joining me today, Laura Frias. She is the Coordinator of School Partnerships and Student Development at the LeBron James Family Foundation School of Education here on campus, also in the studio. And if you listen to the show a lot, you might remember Dr. Devin Carter. He's also with the uh, School of Education. And um, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the real program and a mentorship program and really kind of anything um, that has to do with the LeBron James Family Foundation School of Education. So, well, welcome, Laura. Welcome back, Devin. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, thank you. you know, and Laura, you were telling me off mic that your, your role here at the university kind of started with identifying, I guess, gaps because, uh, and, and some people might not realize, you know, we, we have these degree programs that are very, very, um, through research, um, strategy, and a million other things, we figure out what the curriculum needs to be. Mm-hmm. for any degree at this university. But it's not just taking classes and passing classes and then that's it. I mean, there's so much more that goes into your education. And I think that's kind of where you came in. And right. we're tasked with you know looking for things that we need to maybe improve or create or whatever. And for you, it was all about providing mentors, right? Yeah, yeah, thank you um, for, for bringing that up. Um, Coming into this role, I saw that it was twofold. You know, um, on one end, I work with um, the local K through 12 um, school district, uh, APS district, and so we have like sister universities. And pretty much, I maintain those um, relationships. I enjoy really working with um, the academic coaches or anyone else who um, you know is looking um, to partner with us, whether that's supporting students' experiential learning days to maybe like hosting a junior retreat at you know the School of Ed. And so I really enjoy doing that. And then on the flip side, um, my role also focuses on student support. And so that's where, you know, I was just looking for um, ways in which, you know, the School of Ed can promote a sense of belonging to these students. Um, and so I really saw myself as kind of like the liaison um, and not only the school partnerships that we have, but also between students and maybe the resources on campus, whether that's through the School of Ed or um, elsewhere. And so that's kind of where I decided to create mm-hmm. that mentorship program. I think you were you were telling me uh, you know, before we started, you know, talking here for yeah, the show yeah. that, I mean, it, that to you and I guess to everybody, if they really stop and think about it, which I had not until mm-hmm. you brought it up, you know, when we talk about a mentor or mentorship, that can mean a lot of different things. There is not just one model to follow yeah. with that, is there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I kind of take this nuanced approach to it, you know. Um, aside from, you know, having the opportunity to pair a mentee with a mentor, you know, whether that's academically, professionally, you know, who knows what type of mentor a student might need. Um, but on the flip side, you know, with my role in supporting the school partnerships we have, sometimes there's events and I'm looking for students that can help me out. And that's where those students, you know, through the mentorship program, these these students um, are mentors to the incoming students. And so, you know, in a way, the role is almost like transition because they're serving a different 
um, you know, audience um, when it comes to grade level and just, you know, and then also on the flip side, when they go in, it's also an opportunity for them to network with certain teachers. And so it's also, you know, if there's a student who's interested in um, possibly going to a specific school and I know that they're coming in for an event and this student also happens to be part of the mentorship program, why not invite them to this event? And who knows, you know, not only can they support the students, but, um, you know, then on the other side, they can meet teachers and connect with them and build a relationship through that. And those teachers then are mentors to them. So it's almost like a pipeline in a sense. I hope I'm you're picking up what I'm putting down. But, um, you know, it's ways like that that I just try to see, you know, ideally it all stems from the idea of, you know, what what resources and services can I provide to students so that they can succeed? And so my focus, um, you know, I guess from personal experience and just my previous uh, work, I, I value mentorship. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's, that's um, you know, a foundation to what I do when I support students. Well, and really, you know, you can, you can read case studies and, yep. and you can, you know, examine theory and all kinds of different theories, really. And those things have value. But it seems like this this takes it next level. Yeah, you know, to take you out of the classroom, put you in with, with yep. people and in and, and situations, um, to where you can you know apply some of those things. Hopefully, you're making that connection between yeah. classroom and out of classroom. Yeah. Um, but if you don't get the out of classroom part, there's no connection to make. Yeah. So. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to have started this role. Um, I actually have on the ground floor of Zook Hall a suite. It's um, suite zero two four where. Um, I pretty ha pretty much what we call it, you know, the Student Success Center. And so that's kind of a hub where not only does, um, is there a space for the student organization, ACES, but you know, there's, a, there's um, two other offices, which is one for myself and then a middle one for if students need quiet time. Um, you know, there's a microwave there, there's a mini fridge, there's spaces where they can just lounge, there's like this big bean bag, there's snacks, there's all these flyers of different events, like there's all these motivational posters that are very like creative, inclusive, you know, um, and so, you know, that's also, I try to, you know, um, you know, make it very appealing and, you know, very, um, you know, relevant too. Um, I find that, you know, bringing this like culturally relevant component to it is extremely important. You know, I like to show up as myself. And so I like to encourage that as um, to the students I work with. Um, so that's kind of, if you're ever to go into the call and see that space, hopefully that's the just, that's the kind of vibe you get. Now, Devin, when you were here, what, over, I think over a year mm -hmm, ago, actually, mm -hmm. we talked a little bit, actually quite a bit, about the Recognize Education and Learning uh, program that mm -hmm. you and Laura actually co-developed, right? Yep. Is that okay? Yes, that's right. And it, is that connected then with what she's describing? Yeah. So real is essentially a prof professional development opportunity for the students. You know, Laura has the mentorship program, which, again, she's kind of alluded to the fact that it's twofold. And so one of those being student development. And so a great opportunity that they can get involved in is real. And, you know, real is essentially making school cool to kids like we kind of talked about before. And so these students get the opportunity to connect with the, the K through 12 population uh, and, and just a, a unique experience, you, need, you know, a uh, unique opportunity in that way. And then, you know, at the same time, there's also other opportunities within real that they could be a part of, whether it be, you know, creative design where, you know, we're really trying to get the, the branding established, right? All the way down to research, where we're really trying to get, you know, some publication to show that real is a, a great intervention that works. Mm -hmm. Since you've been at this university and have, you know, kind of unrolled this here, as opposed to where you were before, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, what's the reception been like? Are yeah. people, 
understanding the concept yes. and and kind of rallying behind you to so to make real real. <laughs> I, I yeah, I appreciate you asking that question because you know I think the university needs its flowers. You know, the university has, in my opinion, done an absolutely amazing job of just supporting the the work that Real is doing. Um, because they, you know, I think they, they see the, the promise that it has. Uh, but at the same time, they also understand that, you know, uh, it's going to take a team to make this, you know, a, a, a real, you know, thing. And so uh, I'm very grateful to have that support from the university. Uh, and I'm also grateful for the city. You know, the city of Akron has done a tremendous job of also just uh, welcoming what uh, real has to offer. You know, and again, I go back to the fact that it's a promising intervention. And so we understand that it's going to take time to really show that this is working right. Um, and we appreciate the city for allowing us to do that. Mm-hmm. And Laura, I'm reading about or I've read a little bit about the make and take events. What 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 are those? Yeah. So um, I uh, the School of Education um, offers um, professional development opportunities, what we call um, ZPD. And so I'm just sharing this background because it's going to come full circle. So ZPD is pretty much um, professional development opportunities for students to attend um, every year. So it's pretty much four four events. Um, three of them have to be like uh, guest speaker events or um, any events, you know, from the Career Development Center that might be related towards like professional development, any events like that that we promote Um and then one um, ACES student organization meeting. And so pretty much they'll earn a cord for graduation and it's a great way to um, to really get students involved in, and not only involved, but also um, a great way to support their, uh, you know, skill development, their learning and whatnot. And so um, I wanted to add to that, I also oversee that. And so um, the make and take events are pretty much events in which, um, you know, I'm very big on promoting sense of belonging and mentorship and so, um, what I wanted to do with that is pretty much per, uh, provide students with the opportunity to attend events in which, you know, we talk about um, anything relevant towards being a teacher and preparing for that. And so um, an example of, of an event, um, a make and take event was like um, the sensory uh, glitter jars. And so, you know, why why sensory items are important in the classroom. And, you know, I give students the opportunity to also attend these events because oftentimes you see that teachers are, you know, dipping into their own funds to provide classroom materials. And so hopefully throughout these four years, not only are students more motivated to be involved in the School of Education and what we have to offer from that professional development perspective, but they can also hopefully walk away with a bunch of items that now they can utilize, whether it's season related to like winter, Thanksgiving, you know, Christmas, um, or, you know, it's for the classroom use, you know, like the sensory items, so. You both use terms like um, inclusion and, cultural significance, you know, th- things along those lines. Do you, do you, are you finding that, you know, that, that these students, these future teachers, yeah. that they embrace those ideas? Well, I mean, I think the, the beautiful thing about the University of Akron is that the students, the type of students that we get seem eager to learn, mm-hmm. which, to be honest, is kind of the first uh, priority that real kind of, you know, establishes, mm-hmm. right? We want to create that habit. And so, you know, we kind of get the students who want to be a part of this anyway, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it, it kind of is a bit easier for us, right, to then train them, I guess, if you will, or, or, you know, provide these professional development opportunities that get them to understand the importance of cultural responsiveness and, and how to include that in the instruction. Once they get a, a sense of the training of what it looks like, they essentially love it, mm-hmm. right? They see the 
the beauty in just, you know, meeting the students where they are and understanding that every student is different and every student may come from, you know, a different cultural background. And so to appreciate that is something that they kind of do anyway. And so it's kind of nice. Well, and, and, and that last statement is why I think it's, I guess it's so important because then when they do get into classrooms, they, regardless of their background, are going to encounter people from various exactly. types of, exactly. you know, cultural backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they have to be. We want to think they are, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I yeah. think in most cases they probably are. I, I want to think everybody at this university is, you know, prepared for that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that we don't, you know, we continue an upward cycle rather than downward because we obviously have seen that over the decades. And it's interesting that you say, you know, be prepared for that because one of the things that we kind of promote is this idea of humility when it comes to teaching, right? And the fact that as a teacher you have to be so – understanding of the fact that you know every student is going to be different Mm -hmm. right and if you expect kind of this standardized approach right ideally you you would like to think that every student should meet a certain standard a certain right but at the same time I can't expect them to meet that without me meeting them Mm -hmm. right and so again it kind of uh, it, it goes full circle back to this you know concept of just understanding the, the, the cultural importance of, of teaching and what that entails um, but like I keep saying the the, the students here they're they're already kind of eager to want to do that anyway so it, I think it's, it's great. so important to to really dive deep on that stuff for, I mean with anybody but in this case with our future teachers I mean it's right. really really important <laughs> and you know for somebody to just say, oh, well, I'm not racist, so I'm good. <laughs> like, okay, I mean, that's that's true, mm-hmm. but there's so much more to it. There's yeah. a lot of layers when we talk about, yeah. you know, differences in cultures and, and that sort of thing. Um, it, it's not just about race. It's not just about sex. It's not just, you know, any of those things. I mean, it, it can also be, you know, your entire socioeconomic background mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. things along those lines, the support you have from family. I mean, those are things that, you know, I, I couldn't possibly walk mm-hmm. into a classroom and predict all of those yeah. things. But I need to be trained so that I I know how to, I guess, maybe identify some things and whether I can identify them or not mm-hmm. to, to treat people with the respect. Right. right. And, and I think, you know, culture is so much bigger than just, you know, um, like you said, race. Mm-hmm. Right. There's more That's to it. It's a default it. people go to. But exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't stop and end there. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, I'm going to, because Laura, again, we, we talk about humility, right? And she's a very humble person. And so, you know, she doesn't like to promote the fact that she's also in school and getting her, you know, doctorate degree and whatnot. And so, you know, I want to actually get get her kind of opinion on this because, again, we talk about culture and we talk about, you know, how it's larger than just something like race. Uh, can you talk about the work you're doing on, like, discourse analysis and just how that, you know, kind of is relevant to this conversation? Um, yeah, so I'll give, you know, just a, a bit of background about me, you know, just being um, a first-gen Latina, that's brought a lot of... Um, joys and challenges, you know, and so I think that, um, you know, uh, developed a passion to really just understanding how language is power. And so when he mentioned discourse analysis, um, it's my first semester. And so I've really just been learning about a lot of different things. And um, discourse analysis is one of um, the main focuses of um, my advisor's research. And so um, I was super excited to be um, paired with her. And so really, I'm right now at the moment, I, I find myself interested um, in, once again, how language is power, but specifically in between like state and federal level, you know, um, 
use of language and how, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, it's just very complex. And, you know, depending on how certain things are framed, that's how it confuses people who might not be, you know, um, as educated or have certain opportunities to understand what is really being put forth. And so then that then might affect, you know, their role when it comes to supporting certain policymakers and whatnot. So I'm kind of like interested in that. But Mm -hmm. Um, and your, your PhD is in education policy? Yep, okay. yep. Um, the we don't program offer that program here, by the way. So. <laughs> I know, I checked. <laughs> she had to go know. somewhere else for a PhD. <laughs> yeah. Is there a PhD or ED for you? Uh, PhD, okay. yeah. So, um, but I'm, I'm super grateful for the opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm even looking at research, you know, um, education mobility, um, you know, and how that affects career outcomes for, you know, um, international degree, uh, degree holders, um, a mix of things too, you know, a representation in the classroom that's related towards real and whatnot. So we'll see where it takes me. But yeah. I, I've, I have been talking with Devin about discourse analysis and how maybe we can um, find a way to really implement that into what we're doing now, um, not only with the university um, and the faculty in the School of Ed, but, um, you know, with the community um, through different partnerships. Mm-hmm. So. Was, now, was your master's program research-based? Um, yeah, um, I, I did have the opportunity to do some research um, with one of the faculty. Um, it was, uh, my focus is in qualitative research, um, really into, you know, interviews, observation, all that good stuff. Um, and so I had that opportunity. Um, it wasn't required as part of like the capstone or mm-hmm. thesis or anything like that. Um, but I, I, you know, just knowing my end goal in mind of possibly being a professor uh, one day, I, I just knew that that experience, if I had the opportunity, why not go for it? Um, but my master's was in student affairs and higher ed. And so okay. it was more, it, it kind of gave me like that EDD feel where it's like hands-on experience. Like go out there, you know, it was really like internship based on, um, you know, finding out where you find yourself in the realm of higher ed. Mm-hmm. And so. And Devin, your research is, what, what is your, what is yeah. your current research interest? So currently I'm, I'm working on real. So that is a right. huge piece of our interest. Um, and, you know, kind of the data that we're interested in collecting is attendance uh, behavior and academics and so you know hopefully if we find that these these things are increasing then that's really kind of our gauge as to if school is becoming more if not cool at least appealing to these students mm-hmm. and so that's what we're looking at right now and then uh, my dis- my dissertation kind of looked at peer assisted learning and again going back to this idea of mentor mentorship and the power in that mm-hmm. uh, and kind of the work that Laura's doing now, for people who are interested, maybe, um, you know, whether it's themselves or maybe they have children or grandchildren, whoever mm-hmm. might be listening to this, mm-hmm. interested in maybe being a teacher, yeah. um, what would be your advice to them? Oh, man. Thank you for asking this question. I'm excited to answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so first thing I'll say, the teacher is the most important job that exists in society, right? First, let's just set that as a precedent. No one would be where they are without a teacher in some capacity, right? In the classroom or outside the classroom. If you think about it outside the classroom, it's essentially just a mentor, right? So whether it be a mentor or a teacher, you're really impacting lives, right? Uh, And we're working on compensation because I I understand that, you know, teachers don't get paid as much as maybe they should. But at the same time, right, there's a a nuanced compensation that teachers do have, right? And that's that impact that they're leaving on the next generation, right? If you think about the people that they're preparing for, you know, to be productive citizens of society, they're essentially creating a, a, how can I put this, right, A, a, a productive world for us, right? And so that is something that, in my opinion, should be kind of expressed to our next generation and, and kind of be promoted in that way. 
you know, if you want to make a true impact on society, think about being in the classroom, right? Uh, and the last thing I'll say is I think representation is so, so important, right? We talk about culture. We talk about diversity. These are things that, you know, essentially are most important in somewhere like the classroom, right? If a, t if a student feels belonging, they're most likely going to do better, you know, not only academically but socially and et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, as a teacher, I just think, you know, more uh, more honus needs to be put on the fact that it is, you know, just a, a generation maker, you know, and, and I think that that's something that needs to be expressed to our next generation. Do you know currently in Ohio, just in, I'm, I'm not trying to, back you into a corner with all kinds of statistics necessarily, but <laughs> it just in a general sense, are we, what's our level of need? What's mm -hmm. the demand for teachers in the state of Ohio right oh, now? Oh, man, thank you for asking that one, right? And so, you know, in Ohio, we are honestly in desperate need, I would say. I you thought know, I heard something like that. Not, not only of teachers, right, but a diverse group of teachers, right? Um, and, and I think it, it's just, good, it's just going to start from the ground root. You know, it's going to start from not only our current teachers, right, and, and them kind of expressing the, 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 the beauty in their job, right, to their students, right, and showing them by example just what it means to be a teacher. But I think it's going to come from, you know, the, the community as well, right, and the support behind, you know, wanting to, to, to embrace education and wanting to embrace that teacher, right. Um, well, like I, I always share this story. Kobe Bryant was my favorite person growing up, right? Just because of uh, his swag and what he did on the court. Like Kobe was on the basketball court. Had Kobe been in the classroom, you know, I just would have wanted to be in the classroom, right? I just would have wanted to be a teacher. And so, you know, I think, you know, this idea of coolness and whatever that looks like to a student is going to be very important, right? And where does that come? That comes from the community, right? And so if the community is embracing this idea of education as cool, then essentially that's going to uh, promote this, this, this nuanced sense of education. What, what do you still carry with you, each of you, from your favorite teacher growing up? I'll bet there was at least one person that, like, has an impact that Can I, still stays. I mean, I have two. Okay. Is that okay? I don't care. Cool, cool. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> to be honest, it's my parents. Okay. You know, and, and again, and that right? goes back to your different definition of what a teacher exactly, is. Exactly, right? right? Exactly, right? The examples that both of them set in their own way helped me to be who I am now, right? I know they're parents, right? But essentially, like I said, outside the classroom, they served as mentors, right? And, and they served as example setters, right? Mm -hmm. And so seeing that, I was able to then, you know, um, do well in the classroom, right? Because I saw what it was like outside of mm -hmm. it, right? So for me, it's, it's my parents, I gotta be honest. Yeah, uh, I feel like you took my answer. I, w I was gonna say either the my parents or um, the women in my family. They're they're very strong women, and e I feel like I take away something um, invaluable. You know, that's a part of each one of them, and so. Um, and to be honest, yeah. I'll say this: I have a few from the classroom as well. It's hard for me to choose just one. Yeah. But what I will say is they all carry the same characteristic of just caring about me mm -hmm. right and so i think you know all of my favorite teachers or mentors or etc they truly care right they went the mm -hmm. extra mile for me right mm -hmm. um and i think you know just going back to you know your question about you know what would you tell that next group right show that you care and find the people that care, right? Find the mm -hmm. people that care about you, embrace them, hold on to them because that's your village. And then when you get to that certain extent where you're the mentor, you're the teacher, right? And show that you care, right? And I think that that's such a, a thing that goes a long way. I think for me, I, I, if I think about classroom teachers, and I, I was fortunate to have a lot of great teachers. Mm -hmm. Some of that I even recognized at the time, but most of it you kind of realize when you're a little <laughs> yeah. older right, and right. You know, you're not worried about whether they're cranky. You realize they were a great teacher, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I have one in particular who, gave, who encouraged me 
with writing. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of kids, I hated any kind of writing assignment, essays, stuff like that. And we had to keep a diary. Her name's Karen McCartney, by the way. She still lives in the area, I think. Um, this is a middle school. We had to keep a diary for you know, several weeks. And she was going to grade it just like a high school teacher. It was going to be really tough. <laughs> and almost everybody failed because we had all these grammar errors and all that kind of stuff. And she was passing them back as she was grading them. And even, like, the really smart kids would get, like, a C minus, you know. So I asked her one day, you know, what did I get? And she said, first of all, you don't get anything. You earn it. Mm. Um, and secondly, <laughs> you did fail. But. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. And I, I like this woman. Yeah. She, <laughs> she said, but I can't tell you how much I enjoyed reading mm. your journal. She oh, goes, I yeah. laughed out loud. And I, I, you, have, you are, have a talent, if not a gift, for writing and I really want you to think about that as you schedule your high school classes and, and go mm. on to college and start making career choices. Mm. And, you know, from that moment on, I was confident mm. about nice. writing. I wasn't necessarily the best, mm. but I had the confidence to at least mm-hmm. do it and not be intimidated by mm. it. And that did stay with me, you know, all through high school and college. The fact that one time this one teacher, not that other teachers didn't help me or encourage right, me, right. but she said it in a way that really spoke to me. Right. And it made me remember, wow. you know, kind of act on that. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, right. that's I, I guess, who always kind of comes to mind mm-hmm. when I think about influential teachers. But, I mean, we could, I'm sure we could all sit here for hours yeah. um, and talk about all the great teachers and, and the ways that yeah. they, you know, helped us and influenced us. And, and but ironically, I love that story because, you know, you failed. But yet it was the best lesson you learned, yeah, right? Yeah. And sometimes I think students sometimes just see the grade, you know, and think, you know, oh, this teacher doesn't like me. or, But it's not that, right? They're just, one, holding you accountable, mm-hmm. right? But two, right, sometimes failure can be the best thing for you. You know, sometimes, you know, when you get knocked on your butt, when you get up, you're a little stronger, you know? And I think the classroom does a great job of that, too, right? And so I appreciate that story. I do. Well, listen, if people want more information, they want to learn more about our undergraduate degree programs here in the LeBron James Family Foundation School of Education, um, I I take it just go to the website. All the information is probably there. Um, You can actually contact um, Laura or Devin or anybody else uh, on faculty or staff over there if you have specific questions. Maybe you want to. You don't have to wait for visit day, by the way, at this university. Right. I mean, you can actually contact us, and mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're always happy to do private tours. I'm sure you are as well. I know we are in Colby Hall. So, mm-hmm. yeah. If you guys have any uh, questions or need more information about Real specifically, uh, you can go to our website at real, R-E-A-L-E-S-T-2020.com. Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP-FM. Z-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A